Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to zach at roosterhigh.com. Thank you so much. This is the history of Keyforge, the first five years. Let's get sweaty. Welcome to Keyforge Public Radio with your host, Zach Armstrong. Part 1. Variety is the spice of game design. Keyforge, of course, is a game by Richard Garfield, the father of modern card games via Magic the Gathering, and many, many other designs along the way, alongside his longtime development partner, Scaff Elias, and many other game partners and companies along the way. His exploration of variance in games as a vehicle for skill expression, joy of discovery, and sustained enjoyment has been present in pretty much his entire career. Even though today many of the 60-card formats in Magic the Gathering follow a relatively standard metagame where people find what the best decks are with a given set of cards, publish those, and people imitate it, there is quite a bit of variety inside of Commander, a 100-card format where you can only have one copy of each card. And in early Magic the Gathering, this variance was core to the experience. When he was designing Magic the Gathering, he cites Cosmic Encounter, an old board game, as inspiration. In Cosmic Encounter, each player plays as a different uh, alien peoples with a very unique ability, often very, very game-warping. The interaction of these abilities and the politicking between the players creates very, very high variance in between different games of Cosmic Encounter. In a 2013 blog post retrospective about Magic the Gathering's 20-year anniversary, Richard Garfield's writes on magic.wizards.com, The best thing about Cosmic Encounter is precisely this limitless variety. I have played hundreds of times and can still be surprised at the interactions different combinations of aliens produce. Cosmic Encounter remains enjoyable because it is constantly new. Looking at Robo Rally, another one of his designs during Magic... Looking at Robo Rally, another one of his designs that came out around the same time as Magic the Gathering, you will see this desire for high variance creating these kinds of situation in action, with Robo Rally bringing a particularly chaotic version of variance to this work. Fast forwarding to 2008, we have a digital card game, Spectromancer, co-created by Richard Garfield and Scaff Elias, along with another partner who originated the game. Uh, regarding the mechanics, this is from a Steam review posted by Og in 2013. Each game, you get a random selection of 12 basic cards out of the game's pool of 48 basic cards and 4 special cards from the class of your choosing. Going to 2018, of course, Keyforge, which we'll be talking about the history of going forward, but that was followed by Soulforge Fusion, a reimagining of Soulforge by Justin Gary of Stoneblade Entertainment, using two unique half-decks. And then related to this is the upcoming video game, Chaos Agents. Chaos Agents is made by Popularium, of which Richard Garfield is a founder. This is specifically notable as Richard Garfield has often been a development partner or the idea originator for many of the game's uh, he has worked on, and now he is one of four business owners of this particular game that is currently in development. While Chaos Agents is a video game, 
The desire for unique gameplay experiences in high variance is really a core to this game. Here's a quote from a Tech Radar piece in late 2023. Quote, for the team at Popularium, it starts with this idea of uniqueness. I can confirm that Richard Garfield, for about 30 years now, has been interested in this unique deck thing, said Elias, that is Scaff Elias, his longtime development partner. When we were first playing Magic, all the decks were unique. Every deck really did feel different. Magic then moved into this space where people were constructing their decks, instead of using random ones. The uniqueness of what you own gets lost because you're building towards a sort of internet-optimized build. Chaos Agents will be featuring globally unique characters for players to wield, not dissimilar to Keyforge decks. Part 2. Pitching and Development, 2015-2018 The story of Unique Games starts at the Gamma Trade Show in March of 2015. Eric Lang, a prolific game designer, approached Christian T. Peterson, and as they talked, they discussed the possibility of a game where each copy, or each booster pack, was mechanically unique. You buy a copy, and you know you're the only one with that specific copy in the world. This was a very interesting conversation to Christian T. Peterson, and they committed to making a game with Eric Lang with this concept in mind. As they began to move forward on it over the next couple of years, of course, Eric Lang, being a high-demand designer, was picked up full-time by a game studio, and with a non-compete clause, that project unfortunately was never completed. Alongside this, longtime FFG designer Corey Konitska was creating a survival game, which turned out to be a great fit for the idea of uniqueness. Through this process, they eventually created Discover Lands Unknown, a unique board game that came out alongside Keyforge, although to much less buzz and much less critical acclaim than Keyforge. Around this time, Garfield was pitching the original version of Keyforge to the board game company Days of Wonder, also in early 2015. At that point, it was called Technic. Days of Wonder, unsure of their ability to uh, deliver on a large, innovative card game of this scale, for they don't publish many card games like this, if any at all, pointed to their sister company in Asmodee, FFG. In March of 2016, Richard and his team, assuming Scaff Elias is there as well, pitches to Fantasy Flight Games, and they decide to work together to produce the world's first unique deck game. Here's a quote from the blog post, The Unique Story of Unique Games, published on the FFG website, and this is a direct quote from Christian T. Peterson about this process. I will note that this quote includes the idiom sacred cows, a 19th century English term based on popular understanding of Hinduism's treatment of cows as holy. Quote, FFG is not always the easiest game studio to collaborate with for outside designers. In our approach to game design, there are no, quote, sacred cows. Every stone is turned, option assessed, and we work very hard for any design to be the very best experience and value, as we see those, of course. I'd like to think that there is a special FFG-ness to our work, a style and approach that cuts no corners, is not afraid of hard work, and seeks to innovate wherever possible. We are not always perfect, but we always aim to be, and we do much soul-searching when we fall short. I believe the FFG approach to game development was a little surprising to Richard at first. The progress and changes to the Technic design, theme, and marketing plans would become somewhat tense at times, as Richard rightfully challenged FFG's desired changes or additions. He himself worked tirelessly alongside us to test and think through the merits of every suggested change, balancing component, algorithm weighting, and artwork style. I hope Richard will agree that he and FFG have established a terrific and productive relationship in the course of bringing Keyforge into its hard-fought life. We certainly think so. 
end quote. Part 3. Launching Keyforge in 2018. Call of the Archons was the first Keyforge set. It was a set people were buying as they took up the game and tried it out for the very first time. According to Archon Arcana, the community wiki, quote, more than 30,000 decks were registered in the Master Vault app on the first day, and more than 500,000 in just the two months after release. Sales exceeded FFG's expectations and caused temporary product shortages. In October of 2019, just 11 months after release, Call of the Archons surpassed 1 million registered decks. End quote. Given that decks are unique, they were able to be registered online through a system called the Master Vault, and the deck registration numbers showed that somebody had not only purchased a deck, but also scanned it in to this website. The game was received favorably across many notable board game reviewers all across the internet. No pun included called it his favorite collectible card game. Shut Up and Sit Down gave it a review where one host loved the game and one had a very middling opinion on it, and it had a positive review and many, many follow-up videos from Tom Vassell of the Dice Tower. Notably, when Keyforge launched, uh, there were some bad words included in some of the deck names. While some work had been done to try to mitigate this, the naming algorithm did have an issue where the words racism and fascism, along with some other unfortunate combinations, were somehow included or created in deck names. This provided much viral coverage for the game, with Titan Flayer, the farmer of racism, being the deck receiving the most attention online. These decks were pulled by FFG from tournament legality, of course, making them immediate collector's items. The game received a lot of attention from retailers and from media online, giving the novelty of how the game functioned, being a unique deck game with unique decks, of course, and no resource costs and a victory condition of forging three keys instead of fighting down your opponent's hit points. It seemed to be a great answer to the wallet-driven metagame of several formats in other major games. This popularity would mean big sales in the first handful of months of Keyforge. Part 4. The Early Sets. 2019 to March 2020. Keyforge sold very, very well in its early days. According to ICV2, the website reporting on the business of geek culture, Keyforge outsold Yu-Gi-Oh! in hobby stores specifically in spring of 2019. In mass market, the Keyforge was fourth behind the big three, that is the Pokemon trading card game, Magic the Gathering, and Yu-Gi-Oh! But again, specifically in hobby stores, something ICV2 calls the hobby channel, Keyforge outsold Yu-Gi-Oh! in that spring. Fantasy Flight Games announced Vault Tours during this period as their premier tournament event. Much like these days, Flesh and Blood has Battle Hardens and Callings, and MTG for a long time has had the Pro Tour. Vault Tours became the locked-in name for big, fun, important Keyforge events. They had a semi-casual intent, but as the highest-profile Keyforge events, they did carry with them large amounts of prestige for winning or regularly making top cuts. It was the only way to measure, hey... Who's actually really good at this game? Who should we pay attention to? The very first two vault tours were held in March 2019 in Eindhoven and in Seattle, Washington. Fantasy Flight Games decided to forego a 2019 World Championship to better prepare since the game was would be hardly a year old when the first World Championship, if it had been held in 2019, would happen. They did promise a Keyforge celebration, but that did not occur in 2019. 
Note that that may, of course, be where Ghost Galaxy pulled Keyforge Celebration from during the Ghost Galaxy acquisition later. During this time, many notable and sustained community efforts across content and other things uh, popped up. Notable podcasts include Sanctimonious, which helped find the pulse of the community and working often for the good of everyone, taking uh, bringing on guests uh, involved on the victim side of cheating scandals. The blog Time Shapers, where prolific author Aurora gave many strategy articles to guide how people thought how to be better at the game. Bouncing Death Cork was a podcast that created many of the frames for how we think about Keyforge and have innovated on some of those ideas today, but with uh, large credit to how they began thinking about the game for people to innovate on or react to. The podcast Help from Future Self, capturing the joy of playing Keyforge with friends, is very long-running and still running to this day, with well over 200 episodes going. Wild Wormhole was likely the very first Keyforge podcast and YouTube channel run primarily by he who shall not be named. Archon's Corner is another one of the longest-running Keyforge podcasts, which brings the AM talk show style to Keyforge, and... It was created on top of one of the host's former wrestling content feeds. Uh, notably, this podcast has a lot of event organizers who have run IRL and online events for a long time, providing many, many hours of Keyforge fun to many members of the community, and in some cases, uh, filling the gap where official organized play was not available for various reasons. Call of Discovery was started there during this time, where Ed and I spent three years providing content through that channel. Tabletop Royale started here as one of the longest-running and most in-depth Keyforge streamers, notably being a real-life stream where they actually play Keyforge physically, and we get to watch and hang out with two of the most generous people in Keyforge, Nathan and Justin. Online resources also need to be mentioned here. The Crucible.online was the community-run unofficial way to play Keyforge Online, forked off of Jinteki.net, with many, many notable contributors to keeping it alive. And I should note that the Crucible.online is likely one of the only reasons that Keyforge actually stayed alive during the pandemic and during some other times in the game's history. We also have DecksOfKeyForge.com, the absolute best way to organize one's own collection online and look for new decks that's created and maintained by Novo Westlake. During this time, we also have to mention the second set that launched Age of Ascension. Now, designing Age of Ascension, they had their pencils down. The design was finalized before Call of the Archons launched, so any lessons from Call of the Archons were not able to be integrated into Age of Ascension. And then due to supply pressure on Call of the Archons, now, I should note here, with the supply pressure on Call of the Archons, everybody did notice that it sold out everywhere and you couldn't get it for some time. Uh, Christian T. Peterson is on record as saying he ordered what he calls a career-endingly large amount of Call of the Archons, where his finance people bust into his office and saying, how could you do this, when in fact he didn't order enough. Now, of course, he can't look that far into the future, so he should be commended for going uh, as big as he did, even if it wasn't far enough. You, it's always difficult to predict exactly how much supply you need, especially for uh, for companies the size of Fantasy Flight Games. But for the immense crowd that was pulled into the game through Call of the Archons, many of the cards and play patterns in the set Age of Ascension were underwhelming and unexciting, driving many players away from the game during this time. Part 5. The Dark Times. March 2020 through June 2022. The COVID-19 pandemic shut down Keyforge at least as much as it shut down everything else. 
Tournaments were canceled and Mass Mutation, the next set coming out in 2020, was delayed for many, many reasons relating to COVID-19. Mass Mutation introduced the Enhance keyword, where a card could have Enhance and then some bonus pips after it, and during deck construction, if an Enhance keyword card was included in the deck list, those pips would be randomly distributed to other cards in the deck, making unique decks even more unique with where those bonus pips landed. Dark Tidings, the next set, came out in March of 2021 with the Tide mechanic, and the designers had considered several ideas for the Tide until the development team remembered they had printed the card Valucanth as an anomaly in Worlds Collide, an anomaly being a very, very rare card which would appear in a very small percentage of decks. So Valucanth was only in a very, very small sliver of decks in World Collide, and Valucanth on it indicated a high and low tide mechanic since it was uh, looking forward at possible future sets. At the time, FFG saw Errata as an absolute last resort, so as a result, the mechanic for the entire set was locked in to the way it had been written on Valakanth. While these sets never had their day in the sun with a non-pandemic release, Mass Mutation would come to be one of the more powerful sets by reputation, and Dark Tidings unfortunately would be considered both low power and low fun by many people, uh, though there will be several detractors to that who carry quite a bit of fun and some powerful decks with that set. During the dark times, the survival of the community really was done by the community, especially online. There were many tournaments and leagues that popped up, like Crucible.Online tournaments run by the staff of the Crucible.Online each month for a number of months. The aforementioned Sanctimonious ran multiple invitationals, inviting some of the best and most notable players to play and uh, organize streams around them. Archon's Corner regularly organized the play we had mentioned before through partners like Pink Bunny Games and then running a live event called Keyforge Live, providing much, much of value to the community through providing more and more ways to just play the game. The Ancient Bear Republic League has been running for a long time and is a highly notable league with its team structure and being run out of the California USA. The Nordic Keyforge League is highly notable in being perhaps one of the biggest overall, if not the biggest, Keyforge online league and using a unique and amazing format called Nordic Hexad for their competitions. There's also the Keyforge Premier League, uh, looking to uh, highlight individual players and individual runs in more traditional formats. Should also be noted uh, that Team GG out of Italy also organized several Keyforge Live events uh, over the past number of years before Ghost Galaxy picked it up. The characteristics of the community is that they really stuck together during this time. There was a lot of streaming where everybody would hang out in each other's streams and talk about Keyforge as people looked at decks or played online in Discord community in Hangouts and many smaller leagues in for more interesting uh, for other interesting things were formed. There were many innovations in testing with formats during this time, given the access to different kinds of testing with this easily provided by the Crucible.online and the time to reflect. Uh, several Several innovators in this space and commentators were Karen B. and Aurore, both providing ideas for new formats, testing them, giving feedback on them as the community tried to figure out exactly how you could play Keyforge in the most fun way. Then, during this time, we had a blog post article released by Fantasy Flight Games called Down, But Not Out. This blog post communicated two things, that the software suite used to build Keyforge had been lost, and that they were committed to making a digital version of Keyforge with a company called Stainless Games. After the Ghost Galaxy acquisition on June 29th, 2022, Stainless Games said in an email to me, There's nothing to report from our end, I'm afraid. This is all background stuff as far as we're concerned. 
seeming to indicate continuing progress on the game, but there was no comment or activity from Stainless Games since then. Regarding the loss of the software suite, Ryan Thompson, who worked at FFG at the time, we interviewed on Call of Discovery sometime after he left the company. Among other insights, he witnessed to the fact that the loss of the software suite was due to a ransomware attack. As a supplementary note here, a skilled ransomware attacker can compromise any backups connected to the victim's network. Off-site, off-network backups are possible, but become much more difficult with vast amounts of data, such as art for card and board games. Part 6. The Once and Future Keyforge, June 2022 to December 2023. The original post that Ghost Galaxy published when they purchased Keyforge and then announced it in June 2022 is no longer available in the form it was published in, but thanks to the Internet Archives Wayback Machine, we have an archivable link provided in the show notes and that I have used for reference for this section. Over the first 18 months, so taking us up to December of 2023 here, of them owning the game, they did accomplish quite a bit. They rebuilt the entire algorithm program set into a software called ForgeFire, which, given the reports about uh, the, not to inappropriately use the word, but slapdash way the algorithm set and the programming set was constructed before, uh, seemed a major step up in workflow to have ForgeFire combine all the parts necessary to create and print a unique deck. Uh, Winds of Exchange was the next set, and that went to GameFound, a crowdfunding place, so that they could gauge exactly how big the interest, the purchasing power interest, was in Keyforge. Still, that raised over a million dollars with over 6,000 people backing, giving Ghost Galaxy quite a bit of confidence in the fact that Keyforge would really be viable. A very fair move after buying a game that was, for all intents and purposes, dead in the water as far as economics are concerned, and then trying to rebuild it and capture lightning in a bottle twice. They introduced the Alliance format, allowing people to mix and match house pods. Since each Keyforge deck is made up of three houses, they said why not combine house pods within sets to create Alliance decks. And if successful, and if people actually played this and had tournaments for it, then this would give utility and thus real value to your book collections. They held a number of events during this time, including seven vault tours, five in the United States and two international, with a total of $100,000 in prize support, money that went to winners and not to a marketing budget. Keyforge Celebration was held in 2022 without a world championship at it, but announced about a month beforehand. Now there is some grace for their timelines here since this was in 2022, simply about five months after they announced they had acquired the game, where they had a celebration with many of the diehard fans and people got to play Winds of Exchange for the first time. In 2023, many of the Vault Tour events occurred, bringing the premier uh, brand name uh, prestige events back to Keyforge, and Keyforge Celebration 2 was held in late 2023, where the first World Champion tournament occurred. There, they had an Alliance tournament and an Archon tournament for the title of World Champion, and Donut's Dad of the Ancient Bay Republic in the USA was the first Alliance Champion, and Dorian 11 of the Italian team, Senzanobe, took the first Archon Championship trophy home. During this time, the reception and media was a bit more muted and a bit more mixed, since 
the game was having a much smaller comeback than, of course, its initial launch when it was completely new, fresh, and exciting. Several outlets where staff retained a love for Keyforge, like Team Covenant and the Dice Tower, did put together coverage for Winds of Exchange, and many people did cover the GameFound campaign as a large point of interest in the board game community. As of writing, however, a variety of searches for Keyforge on Google still return articles on the unfortunate names back in 2018 and 2019, and the People Also Ask section on Google continues to return questions about the game failing or dying. One does hope that continued success with the game over time as people generate more interest in it will have the algorithms recognize new states of the game and that be reflected in such places online. Part 7 Keyforge's future self. In this section, dear listener, I'm going to be talking a bit more about some of the core parts of the game and the community in general, and a few hopes for the future here as we wrap up and look forward. The two most powerful parts of Keyforge are number one, the game itself. The game has huge variety, endless variety, endless matchups between decks that are fresh every time you play. In my experience, if you continue to rotate decks and try matchups that you want to try, it is it is difficult to regularly have bad games of Keyforge. Now, the culture and attitude Keyforge attracted with its mechanics are also beyond beyond any other game I have seen. Even the most toxic pokes like even the most toxic folks, like one person who viewed themselves as competitive and stated you need at least $3,000 to win a game of Triad, one of the original formats of Keyforge, didn't last in the community. The people who have stuck around are generally community builders and collaborators who like, who just like to play Keyforge and talk about Keyforge and be good at Keyforge. Now, that being said, that's the second powerful part of the game that I think has kept it up to this time, is the community. This game attracted and kept good people. Even through all of the ups and downs, and even through the many little deaths this game experienced, as we look forward, hopefully, to a future. So the community and the game itself have really been the absolute superpowers of Keyforge. And whatever Keyforge looks like in the future, these two things, I think, will always be the cornerstones. That being said, if there is a current vision for exactly what are the core promises of Keyforge who Keyforge is for, and what success looks like for Keyforge, this isn't something which Ghost Galaxy has clearly and regularly communicated. I would encourage everybody who is trying to community build to Keyforge to figure out what that means for yourself, especially as you try to attract new people. And if Ghost Galaxy is open to comments, of course, I would encourage them to lock in that strategic vision part and share it where appropriate. Something that was mentioned during Keyforge Celebration 2 by Christian T. Peterson, which I must agree with outright, is that Keyforge is one of the hardest games to produce. From the innovative suite of software and having to create it twice and then capture lightning in a bottle again with acquiring the game, and it being a unique deck game where there's nothing else like it and you can't simply copy many of the known best practices from things like Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, Flesh and Blood, and Yu-Gi-Oh!, you have to really start from scratch and do a lot of experimenting. So while there are many... Uh, fair criticisms to level at Ghost Galaxy and Christian T. Peterson over time, do keep this in mind that uh, it is a very, very difficult game to produce. There are several mistakes that will not excuse, of course, uh, but do keep this in mind that there is really nothing else like it. No no defaults you can pull from the industry's 30 years of experience. 
Keyforge will always be a game where you can just pick up two decks and have, hopefully, a good time with them. And if you curate your experience and your expectations, you can regularly have a fantastic time playing Keyforge with Sealed, practicing matchups, practicing for a tournament, whether it's one you organize or an entire Vault Tour. There is such magic in this game that I will never lose, especially with all the stories I have been able to be a part of, both personally and then bigger in the community across across all the kinds of things the community has done. So, dear listener, this is the penultimate episode of Keyforge Public Radio. We will be back next week with one more episode before Keyforge Public Radio sunsets for good. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.